world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Recent scientific studies have shown the positive emotional benefits a dog can bring to our aging parents. But one study reveals those benefits can reach far beyond the emotional. Joining Diane this week on Parents Are Hard to Raise is the lead author of that study, gerontologist Dr. Angela Curl. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard to Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. There's just something magical about the bond between humans and animals, an almost instantaneous kinship and fascination with one another. You can see it in their eyes as you watch a child and a puppy or kitten at play. Both social scientists and veterinarians have long since recognized the human-animal bond as a mutually beneficial and dynamic relationship, one that we now know powerfully influences the health and well-being of both animal and human. This comes as no surprise to this week's special guest. She has made a career out of studying the human-animal relationship and its impact on the health and well-being of our aging parents. Dr. Angela Curl is an assistant professor at Miami University's Department of Family Science and Social Work. Her research focuses on the productive and social engagement of older adults and its intersection with health. One major focus of her research is studying the benefits of pet ownership for older adults for health and social interactions. She has published 26 articles and made 56 national and international conference presentations. And even more importantly, she has two eight-year-old Shih Tzu dogs. Dr. Angela Curl, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And perhaps the most important question of the day, tell us about your dogs. <laughs> well, they're twin dogs from the same litter, and oh. they are well, about 10, 12 pounds. They're just a perfect size. They're cuddly, and they... Uh, still have lots of energy, but they're very uh, companionable. What are their names? Their names are Brett and Jesse. They received their names from my sister-in-law, um, and they they get along with each other. They love to be created during the day, which is a bonus for me because yeah. I work. <laughs> and um, yes, we take different turns on who they they prefer. But since there's my husband and I and our daughter. Two dogs goes a long way to meeting the, the three people need. Yeah. So it works nicely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we love I love talking to anybody about their dogs, so <laughs> 
well, we're we're here in snow weather, so they really love the snow, and it's a fun time seeing them play. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're going to be getting some snow ourselves <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so um, could you tell us a little about your research? Uh, sure, I'd love to. Um, my research came out of uh, this idea of how can we help people promote health. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends that all adults get at least an hour and a half of moderate physical activity every week. So we thought maybe dogs could help because of dog walking um, and the social benefits of seeing other people when you're walking, et cetera. So we used a large nationally representative sample of adults over the age of 50 to look at whether owning a dog or dog walking were good for people's health. So we had... 771 adults total, Wow! of which 271 of them had dogs, and we had a control group of 500 who didn't have dogs. That really helps you look at whether dog ownership or dog walking has a benefit. Yeah. So, and actually, we, we then separated out whether or not it was enough to just have the dog or whether you had to walk the dog, and we always compared those against the people who were non-dog owners. Okay. And uh, we looked at a variety of different health outcomes. We looked at obesity levels, activities of daily living, like being able to bathe, dress, prepare meals, et cetera, the number of doctor visits, uh, how frequently did you get moderate activity, physical activity, and how much you got uh, vigorous physical activity, as well as a number of chronic conditions overall, like cancer, arthritis right and just just to let the cat out of the bag you know what we so to speak for a dog walking paper we found that dog walking was associated with lower uh obesity levels okay fewer problems with limitations of daily living fewer doctor visits and more frequent moderate and vigorous exercise and those are all really important outcomes right um so we were really excited about that but what we found was that there was no difference between those who had a dog but didn't walk them versus the people who were non-dog owners. So it's really important that you walk the dog to get all these health benefits. Right. We did a show on encouraging us to get dogs for people's parents because of the socialization and the exercise and, you know, having a routine, having a, a friend, you know, someone to talk to. Right. And, you know, I kind of we kind of encourage people to maybe adopt a you know maybe an older dog or you know someone uh maybe not so much a puppy I guess you know who might (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um but it's amazing you know what a dog can do for a person for our parents right it really depends on how much I think the owner is all in like okay, some people right. inherit dogs from other people, and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, we just we're just taking care of this per, this dog because we feel obligated to." And I, I don't think there's the same magical connection okay. as sometimes when you you want the pet, right? And uh, um, and and when there's a um, a good fit between the health status of the owner and the health status of the pet, because. Sometimes older pets can have a lot of health issues right. that might be difficult for an older person to really address. Like if uh, 
a pet needs to be picked up all the time, it might be hard. Right. So just being careful with that. But there's so many different programs like fostering dogs. Okay. That I think offers opportunity. Um, you know, parents can be such a different age range. So older adulthood is such a large range. And uh, I think that um, the older one gets, one's parents get, and the more frail they might be, right? the more, uh, I think, some of those um, planning for, you know, dog ownership and who might get to care of the dog, if it comes to that, is important to do. But uh, uh, different people have told me that they, uh, it gives them meaning, it um, right. does increase the socialization with other people when they're dog walking or, or even when they're not, when they're talking with other people in the store. Right. They're talking about their dog. <laughs> <laughs> right. Talking about the dog. They're talking about their dog. Um, you brought up fostering. Now, what what is is that you take a dog in or I mean you or you just you know go visit a dog and can take him for a walk maybe or there's different programs some shelters have um programs where you can volunteer with a a shelter and walk dogs as part of being at the shelter the dogs who are at the shelter there's some programs um where members of the community can be part of the socialization of dogs. Huh, okay. For example, just with college students uh, at the university that I'm at, they have the Four Paws student organization where they foster dogs and they for a year really? and they help them get used to people and then they go into official service dog training. Okay, but it's a it's a pre step where they learn how to sit and you know be around other people and not be afraid and right. and all of that. But what I like about it is. It's a time-limited thing. And there's also, you know, an, an organization that's behind them. Uh, one of the things I think we really need to do is think, if we want to promote pet ownership, right? then it's helpful to have a support network behind it. Like, I know with my grandmother, she had a car accident, and she called and told us she had a car accident, not because she thought we'd want to know about the car accident <laughs> and that she was going to the hospital emergency room. Oh, my gosh. But that she was worried about her dog, her dog. and she was going to take care of her dog. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's helpful. If, if you might have, anybody can have health incidents. And right. if you're living alone, just having somebody who can be a backup is always a useful thing. Right. Was there anything in your research, that surprised you? I I was surprised that dog ownership by itself wasn't enough. I thought, yeah, I thought you know, if somebody, some like pet, if your pet is relying on you, yeah, to take care of them, that you could, would be motivated to maybe take care of yourself more in a different way. Okay, um, and that that was my thought was, um that idea, just a social, social relationship, mutual dependence. Um, and so, and, and that if you own a dog, there's still a number of things within a household that you might force you to get up to go get dog food and get dog water and to right. whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, that maybe you'd have more uh, activity 
than than you would otherwise. And that might still well be true, but there, there, that's not what the research suggests. Right. You see now people bringing in pets, you know, into the hospital, um, mm. uh, into nursing homes, into long-term care facilities. And a lot of times they have the patients maybe walking to a room, you know, so I guess that mm. helps a little, you know, walking. <laughs> well, at least they're getting up yeah. and they're walking. They want to go see the dog, that type of thing. Um, but... I can see where the difference if someone just inherits a pet as opposed to somebody who really wanted a pet and really wanted to, you know, have this companion and to take care of the the dog. You can kind of see the difference. Yeah. And there's a whole range of fascinating research that's going on about the different um, studies in nursing homes and hospitals about the benefits and under what circumstances. But yeah, there's... It's a fascinating area about who benefits and when and how much and and how can we benefit and maximize on that. That's right. And we'll be back talking to Dr. Angela Curl. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall, and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. 
You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Please share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. Angela, we were talking about um, studies uh, with pets in, in nursing homes and hospitals. It's, do you have any, um, as a gerontologist, do you have any new information on any, any studies, any recent studies? Uh, well, I can certainly tell you, um, you know, even at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, uh, I was talking to uh, some people in the uh, hospital there, and they have a, an ongoing study right now in the dental clinic. They have uh, looking at whether or not people do better when they're um, have a dog present versus when they don't, and they have, huh. they have, I guess, three different studies that are happening right now, and okay. it's fascinating. Um, you know, one of the challenges, just methodologically, is um, just disentangling whether or not it's the the person that's with the dog from the person from the dog. So there's always this that issue, and um, but. Uh, and they're looking at what is the mechanisms by which people benefit. So uh, I went to this one conference presentation, and they said, well, maybe they think it's the actual touching of the dog that matters. Okay. Or maybe it's the gazing into the eyes of the dog. So since then, I've been gazing into my <laughs> my dog's eyes more. Just in the off chance that that's what matters. <laughs> so they're comparing the, the dogs that tend to spend more eye contact versus dogs with less eye contact. And... Um, and they're looking at the benefits and concerns for the dogs as well, that human-animal interactions go both ways. So right. working dogs, do they? Um, how much of a break do they need in terms of a hospital setting? You know, yeah. making sure they have a place to go to the restroom. And, um, you know, there's a whole variety of different considerations uh, for that. But uh, the people at Children's Hospital told me um, that it was pretty expensive for them to get trained and certified and using certified animals. So there's there's a process to go through um, if you want a really rigorous design. Yeah, you don't think about that, but uh, yeah, obviously that's that's something you, a concern. There's a there's a hospital in our area and they bring um a pony, like a little pony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I know. How many people see ponies in the, in the city? So, I assume that you're in a city. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know I I I witnessed it. It's this little kind of pony, this white pony, and it and it goes from room to room. And the the you know you watch the patients, and they they do like the the they pet you know they sit and they pet the pony, and I mean. It's fascinating to watch, you know, and I'm like, oh, this pony goes from room to room. I don't, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> they are using a variety of different animals for uh, animal-assisted interventions. Um, 
most commonly dogs, but um, they're using cats. They're using even robotics. They're investigating them in certain circumstances, like in dementia units, to see whether or not robotic animals can have the same health benefits as as non-robotic animals. I mean, as regular animals or uh, or other interventions like uh, reminiscence or quilting or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I've watched some dementia patients, you know, with those, um, I, I, I guess they're mechanical cats, you know, where they purr mm-hmm. and they, they're petting. Yeah. yeah, you can see them and they're petting them and, and uh, you can watch them calm down and yeah. you look at their face and you could see they come alive. Yeah, it's really, it can be really soothing, depending on how realistic it is and right. and everything and they have some really high-end pets that uh, are robotic, and um, they are particularly suited for perhaps people with cognitive impairment who might not have the capacity to remember to feed the animals or take them, you know, clean the litter box or whatever. Might not be really able to take care of an animal or not be in a housing situation that allows them, but they still have this pseudo-connection. With, with another being. So the health benefits are the walking. Now, did you find in the study that people with dogs, they would walk them more and longer? We didn't find that. We found that they would, um, we found what mattered was that they had a good relationship with their dog. We okay. had this pet bonding uh, scale. Of course, the people who, Primarily, the people who were dog owners said that they were, um, you know, highly bonded with their pet. And because, you know, if they're not, if they hated dog ownership, perhaps they would get rid of their dog. Right. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But um, they, uh, they, they had this social connection with them. Um, what we found, which was fascinating, we thought the people with dog dogs would walk faster, longer, right you know, whatever, but we didn't find that they would walk faster because, you know, when you're walking a dog, sometimes the dog is stopping to sniff. Right. <laughs> and sometimes the dog is, um, so there's some of those elements that really surprised us as well. You had asked about things that surprise us, and, and that was certainly one of them was um, uh, that they didn't walk faster, but um, they did walk on average more regularly. Okay, yeah. And, and that's something about having a, if you walk your dog, you know, you, you're you walking rain or shine. Right. Because the dog needs to be walked. So uh, I think that that's something that's really encouraging. And if people don't have a dog, then um, finding another uh, means of encouraging that kind of activity, um, like um, maybe being in a mall walking group or something like that, where there's a safe environment in a social environment might be an alternative um, for people who, who aren't able to have a dog or whatever, for whatever reason. Some people have allergies or some people are afraid of dogs. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, there are some people aren't, aren't dog lovers, you know, (laughs) I don't know. I don't (laughs) know why, but (laughs) 
there there are some people. One thing, oh, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's dog people and there's everybody else. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know when with my um, my last uh, shepherd, I mean, I brought him everywhere. <laughs> I was like, I can't come unless I can bring him. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. I, I mean, it, it was just that way. But um <clears throat> You know, when I think about it, I had a, a great relationship with him. You know, we bonded. And I, yeah, I would, I, I definitely walked more. You know, I would take him for a walk. He loved to go for a walk. And I was on, you're, you're on a schedule too. You know, you know. So uh, are there any considerations, you know, that we should take into account if we're thinking of getting a dog for, for ourselves or for our parent? Well, I think that it's really important to make sure there's a good match. So, um, like, allergy levels, whether or not a dog breed. If you – I've known different dogs that were – one that was a tiny little dog, and the dog owner tripped over the dog and oh. hurt the dog. So, I mean, not that – so that's one bad example. <laughs> and um, another – person I know had this dog and it was way too big for them and it just dragged them down the street. And so being careful that there's a good match between the dogs. Of course, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> a situ fan, so I think there's a perfect dog, but that's just my biased opinion. Um, but making sure that the dog likes, the dog likes walking. Okay. I knew somebody who said, I love this dog. I want to have a dog. I need to have a dog. And then the dog ended up being really hyper and Ooh, yeah. uh, a challenge for her to take care of it. So she went from saying, I will die if I don't have a dog, to this dog will be the death of me. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> but, but it was getting her going out walking every day, right. multiple times a day. So she might still have the health benefits, but it, it ended up being a bit stressful for her yeah. because it was a puppy and it was such high maintenance. Right. So, you know, just being careful. And then... I think it really does pay to have some kind of um, succession plan if anything happens. Right. Who will take care of my pet? Yeah. I know my grandmother made my mom promise that she would make sure my dog, her dog was taken care of it when anything happened to her. Aww. And uh, so that's what we did. We didn't end up adopting her ourselves. We found this wonderful family that desperately wanted a puppy, well, a relatively young puppy, and just had such a wonderful time and we still see them and, uh, and so it's kind of like the gift that keeps giving yeah uh and my grandmother was happy till the day she died that, that's you know, that's, so that's think, wonderful yeah yeah i heard one story of somebody who was denied a, uh getting a dog by the breeder because he said you're an older adult oh. i refuse to sell to you and the person was 62 and I was like oh my gosh what are you thinking yeah um you know and so I, I thought that was so tragic when you know people are living to 100 you know, right sometimes not always but sometimes and uh you know that's a 40 um, 38 year period of time that somebody might have had to enjoy multiple dogs oh. we don't say don't buy a new car <laughs> exactly yeah oh my gosh I never heard of no. that that's, I know that's, yeah that's awful it was, it was my friend's parent that was refused to, really? to, to purchase it so that's awful yeah. for the person and the dog 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so many dogs that are waiting to be adopted uh, through shelters, through um, a variety of, of other locations. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to share and benefit both the, the dog and the person. Right. You're absolutely so. right. I, 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 I encourage people to, you know, go to a shelter and see, you know, because you're helping a, a dog and it's something beneficial for both of you. Yep. The mutual bond. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Angela, thank you so much for being here, for being a guest on Parents Are Hard to Raise. We, we loved hearing what you had to say. Well, thank you, Diane, so much. And I really appreciate the invitation. I hope you got something out of this episode, episode 95. I know I did. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them. You can reach me at Diane at ParentsAreHardToRaise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week. <laughs>